What did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I had coffee. <laughs> coffee for breakfast? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah. Breakfast of champions. Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human. This is a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. These are conversations with people from all walks of life, exploring their journeys and what makes them who they are. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Gears. She is a mother, a daughter, a sister, a wife. Um, she's the uh, owner of Garrett Graphics Etsy Shop, and you're a, a freelance graphic designer. And um, I noticed, and this is something that I think is so amazing, you're author of this book, Dear Sienna, Letters to Every Daughter, which you published uh, in October 2019. And I was kicking myself because I, I wanted to get a hold of the book before before we chatted. And due to this coronavirus stuff, there was no way I was going to get it shipped to me in time. But um, Amazon lets you read like the first couple pages and so i was reading it and um just based on that i was like this is now i definitely want to get it um and i, I want to talk about that because this is a book that you wrote to your daughter uh who's is she seven now yeah she'll be eight this summer oh my gosh what a fun age i have a my son is nine and my daughter is five so it's that's a great age yes so you, you wrote this these these letters to her kind of from birth all the way up until now. Um, but, but before we talk about that, uh, I noticed, um, so we, uh, somehow I stumbled upon your, your, your Twitter account. That sounds funny. You're tweeting <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. Um, but the other day, um, I saw this, uh, you, you, you said something on there that really struck me and I, I want to read it here. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, you you tweeted, I overthink, either lash out or close out when I'm hurt. I'm too proud to ask for help and have been trying to break the habit of finding my own discomfort more comforting than making someone else uncomfortable for many years. I'm a work in progress and really nothing more. That struck me because it's so honest, it's so vulnerable, but it's also, I mean, it's so true. What What inspired you to just like share that with the rest of us? I think that my uh, Twitter account in general was kind of created with the intention of sharing myself with as many people as I could reach. I definitely wasn't expecting it to be um, what it's become, um, but I just have this like deep drive to share my experiences with people and um, kind of a hope that my vulnerability will um, help somebody else, you know, feel like they're not alone or um, inspired or just kind of to prompt thought, I guess. Um, and so I'm a thinker always. I'm like constantly, like I said, overthinking and evaluating um anything and everything around me and within me. So with my Twitter, I really try to kind of put to word whatever I'm feeling or thinking. And I think that tweet was probably um, one of those instances where I know we're all kind of locked up right now <laughs> with the virus and all probably in our heads more than usual, maybe. And yeah, I guess I just wanted to it's my way of like sharing myself, but hoping that somebody else says, okay, I'm not like alone. I, I feel the same way or, you know, prompts them to kind of evaluate what they're, what they're feeling. Yeah. I feel like that's gotta be also in a positive way, very therapeutic for you mm -hmm. to, like you said, to, I, I find that myself anytime I share with another person and yeah. especially if they come back and say, yeah, wait a second, I feel that way. It's just, it's a great feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've always, um, I've written since I was a little girl. It's always been my my therapy. And I guess it used to, I used to always just keep it to myself. Like I would write things and never, ever show anyone or 
let anyone read it. And I guess my Twitter has become my like open book (laughs) diary. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) jokes on you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, you mentioned just earlier, you said, um, you know, you didn't realize what your Twitter account would become. What, what has it become in your eyes? Like what, what did you mean by that? Um, I guess just, I, I wasn't expecting the followers for sure. Um, and I do get like, uh, a lot of people on a daily basis who are kind enough to tell me that, you know, I'm helping in some way or that they, what I said resonated with them or, um, just kind of like reaffirming that I need to keep sharing because it is helping somebody somewhere. And I wasn't really expecting, I guess, that much like interaction and affirmation. That's amazing that that's what happened. I love that. Like, I love that idea that you chose to share, not looking for anything Mm -hmm. other than maybe, you know, others that are living life too. And then you end up with all this feedback and all this interaction. That's got to be, now that that has happened and it's kind of, become normal or i mean you're you're seeing this engagement is that does that kind of like fuel you even more like to want to share even more and to just be more human you know online yeah definitely um i obviously you know i've seen the the troll side of twitter too the negative there's always you know someone to bring negative to things um but having so much positive and so many good people that do go out of their way to interact with me and respond or share their, you know, prompts me sharing prompts them to share, um, completely outweighs any of the negative aspect or the, um, feeling vulnerable, the kind of like scary part of it. Um, yeah, all the positives, I think just drive me to remember why I do it and to keep doing it. That's great. I mentioned earlier, you wrote this book, Dear Sienna, Letters to Every Daughter. And it's 32 letters you wrote to your daughter starting at birth and then going all the way up to, to current day. What what a great idea for a book. And I, you know, just speaking as a fellow parent myself, I think it's such a, such a gift for her. And not just for her, but for the rest of the world now. I was reading some of those reviews and some of these sites about your book. And um, you've touched so many people's lives in such a positive way. What inspired you to write a book and share it with the world of, of letters to your daughter? Um, well, initially the letters were 100% intended to just be hers. I had not, when I started writing them, I had no plan to make them into a book. Um, I started writing them because I lost my dad when I was about her age, actually, um, right before I turned seven. And I went through my whole life, you know, like desperately wishing I had him or some part of him or a way to feel connected to him or, you know, get advice or just him telling me that it's okay going to be okay, that he loves me, that he's proud of me, just anything from him. And obviously I didn't have that. So um, when I had her, I just had this like strong desire to make sure that no matter what happens and no matter where I am, she has access to me in some way. Um, Obviously I'm writing these letters alive and Um, as we're going, but I hope that even when I'm not here or, or even times like when she's a teenager and is too cool to ask (laughs) for my (laughs) advice, (laughs) maybe something in there can help her in, you know, not just the situations that I currently am writing about, but potentially down the road in different situations where she can gain different aspects and, um, just different lessons and pieces of, of advice for me or, just to know that I am proud of her and I love her and um, 
so those that's why I started writing the letters. And then as I've written them, I really kept thinking like, how am I going to give these to her? Or when am I going to give these to her? Or yeah. how do I, how do I give them to her? But also keep writing them because I want to do that until I can't. Um, so that's kind of where the whole, and anyone I shared them with of my family and like close friends would say like, Oh my God, you know, more people need to read these. And so that's kind of where the book idea came from. And I, um, it's part one, so I can make it into a series and keep publishing more parts as I write her letters is the plan. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love, I mean, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. That's, I can't even imagine, but you're using that as the motivation for these letters is such a beautiful thing. I mean, again, for your daughter, but also for those, those you're sharing it with. I mean, those that are, you know, purchasing and reading it. I, that, that excerpt that Amazon let me read um, was kind of the first, I don't know if it was the first chapter, like the prologue, but the first section of the book. And one of the parts was about um, kind of like an overall a list of lessons that you were kind of giving to Sienna. And one of them was learn to live your life without regrets. Uh, and that one struck me. Um, it struck me because I think it's a great lesson that I think I struggle with. And I think a lot of people struggle with, but I was really curious if there was some personal story behind that, where you were kind of giving this advice based on something that happened in your life. Is that the case? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, the cliche or the, you know, saying that we all know. Sure, sure. Um, and I've, I feel like I've experienced a lot of life in my 32 years, <laughs> um, a lot of traumas and struggles and good things too. Obviously, I'm very blessed with, um, I have my husband and my daughter, like, my job, you know, my life right now, I really don't have any complaints. Um, but it was a long journey to get here. <laughs> sure. And um, when I do ever share my experiences or tell my story about my life, a lot of people, um, understandably, respond with, you know, sympathy or, you know, that they're sorry that I went through whatever it was that I'm sharing with them. And, um, while I can definitely appreciate that, I also am just of the belief of like all of those things, good and bad made me who I am and I'm proud of who I am now today. So, um, even all the mistakes I made, which I've definitely made a lot <laughs> and I still do, but, um, I mean, they just, they build character and, um, it's taught me that I, I can survive anything, um, I have, I will. And, um, yeah, so I just, I feel like regretting choices or, um, getting caught up in focusing on the negatives instead of realizing that there's something positive to take away from anything, even your biggest mistakes, um, even the worst things that could happen to you in life, there's always something good that can be taken from it and you can let it turn you into a better person or, you know, eat you alive basically. <laughs> and I definitely don't want my daughter to, you know, ever feel like there's no light and, you know, that there's no reason to keep persevering, I guess. Oh, I love that. There was another, another piece of the, um, of the book you, so you were, um, diagnosed with rheumatoid. Do I say this right? Rheumatoid arthritis is the correct pronunciation. Yeah. And your was it early twenties? Yeah, um, diagnosed when I was twenty-one. Oh my gosh! There was um, in the book you had you wrote. Um, there may be days that I just want to lay in bed and cry. Please don't worry about me. I'm just mourning the life that I expected to live. And oh, I mean. I was reading that and I just, I am just mourning the life that I expected to live. I just felt for you there. What, 
What did you mean by that? Um, while growing up, I was very active. Like I was a three sport athlete. Um, oh, okay. I, it was, um, going to practice and being a part of a team or, um, even I did tracks, obviously individual sport, but, um, focusing on pushing myself and challenging myself and setting goals and meeting goals. And all of those things were experienced by me, um, through sport and, you know, physical activity. I learned so much about myself and, um, admittedly was my crutch in a lot of ways, as far as, you know, emotionally dealing with things or not, I guess, dealing with things. (laughs) Um, It's kind of my go-to for survival a lot of times in my life. And um, so that aspect of my RA has been a a struggle um, ongoing because it's, it limits me from, you know, I have a lot of like permanent damage to my joints that they are fused. They don't work. They're, you know, tender, painful, swollen. Oh gosh. And those kind of things. So, um, it kind of stole that physical release for me. And then, um, that also plays into, to being a parent. And I also coach volleyball, high school volleyball. So, um, with coaching and parenting, I've had to learn other ways to teach or, um, I can't rely on my, you know, my physical yeah, <laughs> ability. So, um, I don't get to like wrestle with my daughter, <laughs> which is silly or like tickling her sometimes hurts. Oh, that's um, not silly at all. I'm such a <laughs> physical, like I love doing all that with my yeah. daughter and my son. So I feel for you. If I weren't able to do that, that would completely change everything for me. Right. And I, I'm, that's also my love language is like physical, you know, touch is huge for me, which obviously I can give her hugs and kisses and all sure. of those things, but I can't, you know, run around with her, chase her, like, you know, her learning how to ride a bike it had to be her dad, like trugging along behind her. <laughs> um, just little, little things like that, that I guess maybe people don't really realize they do or can do until you can't. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest part of what I mean by having to mourn. I always envision myself being active and physically capable or, you know, all of those things. And, and my life looks a lot different than I expected it to at 32. But again, I, I gain other things from it. So, um, even though it does suck if I, <laughs> if I really think about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I love that. And that's, that's gotta be a shift. Um, being a very active person and, and really finding a lot of joy and in, in being active and then kind of, you know, your body all of a sudden tells you, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be able to be as active as you, you know, used to be. Um, that has to be a big shift mentally too, where I imagine, like you said, you know, daughter, Sienna riding a bike, um, you know, now maybe you had to ask your husband, Hey, you know, can you be the one to kind of chase her down the street? And can you help me out with this? Um, I imagine there was a, a, a shift there to having to be more comfortable with, you know, maybe asking for help or, um, you know, not being hates incapable, but you know, it just things that you normally wanted to do might not be as, as easy to do as you thought. Was that the case? Was that kind of a shift? Yes, definitely. Um, I've always been a very independent person. I, I take pride in being independent and, um, asking for help, which I think actually I mentioned in that tweet that you talked about with the, yeah, um, being did. an overthinker. <laughs> yeah. I'm very prideful when it comes to asking for help. Um, bless my husband because he's probably the only person who makes me feel um, comfortable enough to ask for help. And he's incredible about supporting me. And, and when I ask for help, not making me feel like <laughs> I'm asking for help. He's just very good at 
keeping the flow going (laughs) (laughs) and, and also recognizing when I need help and I'm not asking. So he allows me to maintain my pride, (laughs) but helps me. (laughs) So um, that's very helpful, but yes, it's, it's an ongoing mental battle to remind myself that it's not a weakness to need help and um, that it always makes things easier in the end if I just don't battle it for so long. That's a great way of putting it. I never thought of it that way. I ask because I'm the exact, like how you just described all this is is a mirror of me. I'm a very independent person. I don't, I don't like asking for help usually. I've become much more comfortable with it. You mentioned for you, it's because you're prideful. I'm curious because I'm not sure if that's the case with me. What do you mean by like prideful? Is this a case of like, you are proud that you're independent and therefore you don't want others. You don't, you feel like if you let others help you, then like you're no longer independent. You're no longer proud. Yeah. I think that's part of it um, is feeling like, I don't know, I guess, I guess I spent a lot of my life kind of picking myself up by my own bootstraps (laughs) and um, in survival mode a lot. So And just, um, I guess part of my survival was convincing myself that I was the only one I could depend on. And, um, you know, if you want to get something or get somewhere, you have to do it yourself. And, um, which I'm not saying is right, but it was definitely my survival instinct. Sure. Um, so yeah, now that kind of plays a part into it of like thinking if I ask for help, then. I failed in some way. Like I didn't, I'm not doing what I thought I could do. And then the other aspect um, is I don't like burdening other people. And I think part of that does come from the prideful part, but also just um, like I said, I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable than making someone else uncomfortable in any way. So um, these are all demons that I battle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I know on. exactly what you mean. But that's where it comes from, I think. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I share that entirely. I, the same way, like I would rather be uncomfortable. I would rather, <clears throat> I would rather not have to have someone else help me. And it, I don't know if you're like this too. It's ironic the more I've processed this and really thought about it and worked on it, it's ironic because I love helping others. I would I, I would love to help anyone and I, I would you know actively try and help them or if they ask for my help, I'll be there. But then accepting the help from that same person, it's like, well, no, no, I'm fine. I can do right. this. And yeah. And it's you, you stop and think about it. Like, well, wait a second. Like if they were the same way as you, no one would ever be helping anyone. Right. And forgetting that like, the reason I help someone is to help them, but it also makes me feel good. Like I've done something of, you know, I got your back and essentially I'm like stealing that from someone else because I just want to be a struggle bus over here (laughs) and not ask for help. (laughs) So it is kind of silly if you think about it. That's that came up in um, a previous conversation I had on this podcast, but, and that was the first time I thought of it. Now the second time you're bringing it up, but this idea that I, I never thought of it that way, that if I don't let someone help me, if they're willing to, and I need the help that I'm actually taking that away from them. Like I'm, I'm actually impacting them then in a negative way, unfortunately. And I never right. thought of it that way. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, that's it's a topic that I'm so passionate about now because I, I finally recognize that it's just like you have that it's a struggle, it's a demon, and it's something to continually work on where yeah. it's tough when it doesn't come naturally either. And right. the reason I'm so, I push on it is because I think so many of us out there struggle with this and it's just not something that we've maybe thought about or brought up too often. So I, um, your dad, man your dad passing away when you're seven years old is just, um, I can't even imagine that's, uh, that's just terrible. Was, what was that like then? 
what's your relationship like um, with your mom and, and your other your siblings, your family members? Like, was it um, were you always very close, and uh, or is it? You know, I'm always curious. Being a parent myself, I'm always curious how that childhood goes because I wonder, am I am I doing it right? <laughs> You're doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that might be, but I won't know for 20 years. <laughs> Let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, um, I guess kind of starting at the beginning, my dad was um an alcoholic. Um, before he passed, he struggled with alcoholism and, um, he was, uh, an amazing, which I feel like most of the time, this is the case with addicts. Um, he's amazing person, very sensitive, very loving. Um, it's almost like the world is too much for people like him. I feel like, um, and addicts that I've met along the way, um, whether it's drug addiction or alcoholism, I feel like that's kind of a common thing. Like you meet these people who battle that demon and you realize like how amazing of a person they are and how just unfortunate it is that they don't see that in themselves or um, they never developed like coping skills outside of the addiction to help them. And um, my dad was just like very much that way. He was, an amazing dad, despite his, um, struggles with that. Um, very involved, very just, I mean, I was a daddy's little girl for sure. Um, and I have three older brothers, um, and he had very close relationships with all of them. Um, when he passed, they were 13, 16 and 19. Um, so teenage boys, uh, I definitely recognize the, I mean, that's extremely difficult. I imagine to be sure. them and lose your dad. It's obviously a different um, experience than a little girl. And, um, but very close. Uh, and then when he passed, my mom was essentially left to be a single mom of four kids <laughs> And, uh, three of which were teenage boys. So, yeah. oh, geez. um, bless her heart. She, she would be gone. Uh, by the time I woke up for school, she was long gone to work. Um, my brothers would get me ready for school. Um, they'd get me to the bus stop <laughs> and get me to school. Um, but, and then she wouldn't be home until, you know, dinner time or after dinner, she worked really long hours to try to support us. Um, which left a lot of, uh, you know, time of kind of, it's kind of like losing your dad and your mom uh, yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah. she worked a lot before that, but definitely had to pick up overtime and, and do a lot more. Um, and left my brothers to be teenage boys on the most free range of, <laughs> <laughs> of ways. So um, yeah, it's just kind of constant chaos and just surviving. You're just in survival mode. All of us were, we all dealt with it differently. Um, and my mom did the best she could with the situation. Um, she did meet, uh, someone when I was nine or so and they got married. Um, he was also an alcoholic, but, of a different kind. Um, my biological dad was not the most functioning of alcoholics. Uh, he battled depression and, um, you know, I just would have a hard time getting out of bed, uh, keeping a job, those kind of things. Um, my stepdad was a very functioning alcoholic. He, uh, owned a big business and would show up to work every single day. And, um, you know, most people didn't even know he was an alcoholic because, you know, he doesn't really show it in any way. Yeah. Uh, more of a private come home and drink a bunch of bourbon and get up and go back to work type of thing. So um, very different experiences, but alcoholics nonetheless. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, my stepdad was also narcissistic. So um, I spent that portion of my childhood 
very much walking on eggshells. Um, and I think that uh, as part of this, part of where I get the uh, preferring to be uncomfortable over others being uncomfortable. Um, I am a people pleaser. I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I like that recovering people pleaser. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that's where that stems from too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, when I was in my early twenties, after I got married, they actually divorced. So um, I think they were married for like 15 years. That's a long time. Yeah. And then he uh, surprised her with a, with a divorce and uh, she's been single ever since, but uh, she met my dad when she was 17. So it's the first time she's really ever been single, no kids uh, can focus on herself and she's the best version I've ever seen her. So um, yeah, that's kind of the, the Ashley childhood rundown. <laughs> your, your mom sounds like a superhero or a saint. I she's mean, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get the sense that you, you look up, you look up to her quite a bit. I do. She's a warrior and um, I'm always protective when I tell kind of my life story. Um, when I really delve into <laughs> the traumas and experiences, because I feel like people jump to the conclusion that she, you know, was a bad mom in some way and, and allowed these things to happen to me or uh, dropped the ball in some way. But she really is amazing and the most just annoyingly optimistic person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> annoyingly optimistic. <laughs> so um, I admire that about her. Definitely. Oh, and the gall of people to suggest, uh, you know, armchair quarterbacking that, oh, she's a bad mother or she's this mother. And it's like, First of all, being a mother, I mean, I don't know about being a mother, but I know about being a father <laughs> and, you know, being a parent in general is just nothing prepares you for it. That's, this is the one thing I learned. I don't know if it was the case for you, but becoming a parent um, the first time, I realized that nothing I ever would have done would have prepared me for this. I mean, yeah, there were some, you know, diaper changing or not diaper changing classes there were classes for something and then i you know i i never changed ever in my life and i had a stuff that you apparently frog. showed up for yeah there was something i showed up for but <laughs> but i mean books you know talking to others like nothing in the world was ever going to prepare you for the actual moment that this was going to happen so yeah just for someone to suggest that anyone is a bad parent i mean unless it's straight up you know physical or you know right. abuse of any sort um but right that's that's unfortunate i i don't know people that decide to spread negativity uh, i don't understand it yeah it, i mean from what i can tell it's typically um i mean the the epidemic of projection is a real thing <laughs> that's a fair point yeah projection i didn't think, I think about that, that the, the negative people the most judgmental people at least in my experience, I feel like are always the most miserable with their own life and um, typically are either trying to deflect <laughs> attention or just make themselves feel better in some way, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, I think that's where it comes from usually. I, I think so too. I, I never thought about that. I think projection is really something and I'm, I'm sure we're all guilty of it myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking when you wrote the, you said you wrote these letters to your daughter, um, you started doing it as a way to, which I love that, that you wanted to always be with her. That is the sweetest thing, but you, you did it for her initially. I mean, it is for her, but you never planned on sharing it with anyone else. And then you did. Um, and again, I, I haven't uh, read the whole, the whole uh, series of uh, letters yet, but um, was there any discomfort on your part of like, oh, wait a second, this was never meant for anyone but Sienna? I'm not sure how this is going to, you know, I mean, hopefully it helps others, but I'm not sure if I want to kind of let all of that out. Uh, was there some discomfort or hesitation there on your part? Um, without sounding uh, like egotistical or... <laughs> 
um, I don't know what the word is, but I think that at this point in my life, um, like I could have never published this book 10 years ago, for sure. There is no way, no how I would have been way too embarrassed, way too uh, shy, way too scared of being judged, way too just scared of people knowing anything about me (laughs) and my experiences and my thoughts and my feelings. Um, But I guess, I don't know, the last few years, probably turning 30 seemed to be a big thing. Um, Having Sienna was a big thing that just, I don't know, made me feel like I just don't really care if (laughs) someone doesn't like it or if um, they think that I'm being weak or, you know, people want to judge like what I have been through in my life or um, my means of survival or um, just being vulnerable in, in general. I just, I guess I just have this, I don't know why, I don't know where it came from, but this sudden feeling of that I, I just don't care if if someone wants to say something negative about it or think something negative about it um because I'm again I'm like proud of who I am I'm proud of how far I've come I still have work to do I'm not saying I'm perfect by absolutely any means but I guess I just I feel like I own me (laughs) at this point and I'm just kind of like a screw it I don't care (laughs) I love that I love what you just said I feel like I own me like that's such a empowering feeling like it this is me i own it and i don't really care if you're not on board with it that's okay you're entitled to that i love that and i just um as a mom i don't want to be the mom that is like do what i say not what i do i don't want to be the mom that says like own own who you are like be confident don't let this bother you and then i'm over here worrying about people judging me and you know not owning who I am. I I don't want to be that. I think the best way to teach her is to let her watch me and witness it and um, show her in that way. And so, and I care far more about her and her well-being and her being the best Sienna that she can be than I do about my own pride and, you know, what other people think of me. So I am more than willing to sacrifice (laughs) my silly you know, insecurities, uh, for her and for her to be the best that she can be. So that drives me, I guess. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. What a lucky, oh, she's, she's a lucky daughter. I mean, she really is. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, you could, uh, you know, I just see in your face how you, you know, the the joy that I'm sure you get out of uh, being her mother, but also the joy that you give back to her. Yes. It's the best job for sure. (laughs) <laughs> it is <laughs> it's the it's the best job for sure and then there are those moments where all of a sudden it's the worst job but then it goes right back to being the best job and then it just <laughs> keeps going <laughs> yes life life has a funny way of uh reminding you that you know you love the little jerks but <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't have said it better <laughs> So you, um, you know, you're you're selling this book. Um, well, it's on Amazon too, but I know you're also selling it on your Etsy shop. And this Etsy shop uh, is your. It looks like uh, your graphic design work. Like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, your graphic design work. You have a bunch of different cool products. Um, you had like uh, gift certificates, and uh, there uh, there was the cool wedding invites, and then like things you put on the wall and. How did you end up like having your own your own shop like that and and kind of going on your own? Um, my Etsy was born um, a couple years ago from honestly mostly like uh, my family members and close friends because I'm a graphic designer would ask me like, "Hey, can you you know design my kid's birthday invite oh. or?" Yeah, the, uh, your, your aunt or something's like, hey, right. you do design, right? Hey, you do this stuff. <laughs> you use computers. <laughs> You're like artsy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my Etsy came from that where I would do all these little side projects for people that I know personally and I wouldn't charge them, you know, just, yeah, I can make that, whatever. 
So my Etsy was like, oh, I can make a few bucks off of someone else from this design that I made for somebody uh, I know. Yeah. And just like my Twitter was not expecting for it to really do anything, but <laughs> it has been a good little uh, source of essentially passive income. Um, so that's been good. But I uh, have a graphic design business that is like, you know, my real job. <laughs> <laughs> Your real job. <laughs> um, where I have clients, contracts with a variety of clients who I do, you know, actual like business branding, collateral, logos, marketing, um, advertising, all sorts of different things for all sorts of different kinds of businesses. So that's my day job. <laughs> and Etsy was kind of, you know, born from doing that thing that in the day and favors for people, I guess. Yeah. What a very entrepreneurial way of thinking about that. I, I'm not sure if I would have thought of that. Like oh, I'm <laughs> doing all this, wait, well, let me just throw it up there and maybe others could benefit from it and they'll just buy it. Like it's from a store. It makes total sense. Yeah. That's a great idea. And then I sell um, my books on Etsy. That's where I sell the signed copies because I was getting a lot of uh, people who would buy it on Amazon and then they would pay extra to ship it to me, have me sign it and pay oh, the posters and ship it back. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's a more efficient way to do this. So um, that's why I put it on my Etsy so that they can get the signed copy without paying for a million different shipping fees. <laughs> ah, okay. So I'm going to buy it off Etsy then. Cause, and I imagine okay. that Etsy would give you more revenue from it too, right? Like I would imagine Amazon takes something. Uh, yeah, I actually make more off the Etsy ones because um, on the Etsy ones, I only pay for printing from Amazon. So it's like, I don't know, two bucks or something book to for printing and um on amazon they charge me printing and for selling it for me so gotcha yeah it is i do make a couple more bucks on on etsy <laughs> yeah etsy's the way to go okay I'm getting mine on etsy. <laughs> plus then you get the personalized note or you know signed copy right. that's better <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mentioned that I, like I said, I was, you know, doing research for our conversation today and really stumbling upon some of these reviews. Um, you know, it's, it's just, I, I was like amazed and so happy to see how this book was affecting these people. I imagine for you, the author that was, you know, magnified so many more times. Um, have, have you noticed that it's been a good response and a positive impact? Like how has that felt to kind of see that out there? Um, honestly, it's one of, if not the most like humbling experience that I've probably ever had because, um, although you see the, the public reviews and those are all amazing, like people are so kind to take their time to do that and go out of their way to, um, you know, leave reviews and what they think about it is 100% to my benefit. And I truly appreciate that people do that. Um, but I also get a ton of like private messages, like um, on my Instagram or my Twitter, people who have read it, who reach out privately to me and, and share their own experiences that they related to maybe, or, um, had so many people say that they carry it around with them and like refer to it at different times in their in their day or their week and it's it's just like incredible to me that first of all anyone would care to <laughs> to read my words in the first place but to be like so touched by it is amazing to me and just another uh thing I draw on when when I need the motivation to keep sharing <laughs> and keep writing. And um, yeah, it's, it's been one of the best experiences of my life and I was not expecting that at all. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. that that's such a great experience. What a, that's amazing that to me, you're such a shining example of this idea that I think about a lot nowadays is that 
you can choose to have this impact on other people. Um, you don't have to have an impact on other people, but you, well, I take that back. I think a lot of times we don't realize that if we interact with other people, we are having an impact on them, whether we want to or not. But you, in this case, can have this amazing positive impact on people, which you didn't have to do. Um, but you have, and you've chosen to do that. And I mean, it's just, you know, when you start to think about it, maybe I'm thinking too deeply about it, but like you are like, I don't want to say altering because that suggests maybe negativity, but you are uh, shaping other people's lives from the fact that you kind of entered them. Like you said, someone carrying that around, if they truly are carrying it around every day now, they could possibly be motivated, you know, from a quote in the book at some point. And like, it's like that butterfly effect, right? And that, that ripple effect. That's just, to me, you're a shining example of that. Like the fact that you've done this now, it's like, who knows what that ripple is going to look like and how big it's going to get. Uh, it's kind of exciting to think about. <laughs> Lucky you for being a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel very lucky. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, the other thing that you, when you were talking about the butterfly effect and reaching people, um, the other thing that I hadn't anticipated with the book is um that my daughter is very, uh, she's very involved in it. Like she likes to help me take the books to the post office and ship them and learn about where they've, where oh, they're going. Goodness. And it could not um, be more perfect. You know, she's in awe of like, Oh, this is going like to that state or that country or, you know, like, uh, literally reaching <laughs> yeah. people, I guess. And so that aspect was something I also didn't anticipate was, um, I don't know, I, I guess I wish at seven somebody, somebody would have convinced me that I can reach somebody across the world, you know, in some way. Um, so I think that's a cool kind of realization for a seven-year-old rather than you know, a 30 year old. Absolutely. Again, I I think that's just another amazing gift you've given her is that, you know, by writing this book and now, like you said, it's turned into this thing you both can share and that she learns from like, yeah, exposing her to, especially when you're seven. I mean, we live in a very connected world now, but you know, it's still, unless you've physically traveled to a million different places, it's hard to comprehend that there's this huge world. I mean, myself, I haven't been to most of the world. So, um, yeah. Oh, that's so amazing that you've you've done that for her without even necessarily realizing, you know, meaning to. But that's even better. It's more authentic. This is an accidental win. <laughs> an accidental win. I love that. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we got to take all the all the wins we can, accidental or not. <laughs> you you mentioned that you're a, you're a, at the very beginning. You mentioned you're a thinker. Um, and you mentioned in that tweet that you overthink, um, is that, is that what you mean by when you say you're a thinker, like you're someone that, is it like overanalyzing a situation or, I mean, just analyzing very deeply? Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely an analyzer. Um, I can promise you that every night when I lay down for bed, I am, uh, critiquing, reviewing, <laughs> uh, setting goals for tomorrow, I think when it comes to my business, I think about, okay, what did I do today? How could I have done that better as a mom? What did I do? How could I do that better as a wife? Um, I think about like, oh my God, I got to call my mom tomorrow. I didn't talk. I haven't talked to her in a couple of days. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just, I'm my mind is just constantly going and constantly striving to be better, which I understand isn't totally a bad thing. Um, you know, it's a gift in its own right, but it can easily get out of control. <laughs> oh, to absolutely. Where, to where I'm being too overcritical of myself or, um, you know, I'm, my mind's going in too many different ways. I'm not focusing on one thing and not actually accomplishing anything because of it. Um, so yeah, I just, I think about a lot of weird things in depth. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fall and asleep at night thinking about all that? Like I, I wear myself out. I think <laughs> just eventually you're mentally exhausted and goes yeah. off. <laughs> Pretty much. 
that oh i'm i'm getting just frightened thinking of that because like um, aren't you tired (laughs) no the opposite well i think like when when i go to bed and if i am thinking about too many things or anticipating tomorrow or a, a perfect example being in this current coronavirus environment you know it's april 2020 um the days that i want to go to the grocery store to get food i've determined if i go first thing in the morning if i get there by 7 45 in the morning there'll be seemingly nowadays i went this morning there's a good stock and there's pretty much nobody there so you can social distance the night before if i start thinking about that and anticipating it and thinking about what do i need to get like all that in my head it's the opposite for me i can't fall asleep then i end up laying there for way too long well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the <laughs> example, but other things that are seemingly more important as well. But yeah, <laughs> but you're just thinking about produce, <laughs> <laughs> or just just any any time I try. I mean, you're talking about reviewing your day and reviewing right. kind of almost your performance of your different roles in life, and just thinking about any of that. Yeah, that ends up keeping me up. So, right, I, I don't know. How, yeah, more power to you for for being <laughs> for able sleeping. to do that and, and still get a good night's sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I've mastered it. You think really, really, really hard and you can fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> if I think hard enough, I can fall asleep. <laughs> well, Ashley, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat today. This, oh my gosh, I this conversation is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, oh, I, I really appreciate you for being so open and for sharing, um, you know, here, but also in in those other areas of your life where you've chosen to share. Cause I, I do think, you know, you mentioned that at the beginning we talked about how you can, um, you know, realize that other people are, are sharing those feelings and they can kind of engage with you. And I think, again, you don't have to do that and you've chosen to, and you've impacted us. And I, I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of me and um, this whole experience. Cause it's been fun. Thanks for listening to we're only human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.